Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. In school, it's just not encouraged. We're crying out for young people to do apprenticeships. What you need to do is be on my side. Every time that it happens, we have to talk about how the good men feel. They sent me on for psychiatric assessment and they said that the thing that's going to fix it is housing. We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. That's a great story about the crisps. I love that story. Guy buys a six pack of potato. And inciting it is a packaging thing. How on earth did that happen? You don't need a PhD to know how that happened. Someone brought in a packet of king in their pocket and snuck it into the six pack. That's the only thing that can possibly have happened. Love it though. It's like opening a whole packet of cheese and onion and finding one bag of salt and vinegar inside it. Love that. Actually, it was past the place recently. I can't remember, was it here or on my holidays? Where someone was actually putting on a menu at a pub a tato sandwich. You could actually have a tato sandwich for your lunch. They were charging you two twenty for it. Which actually is good value, I guess. That must be on holidays. You'd never get that value here. They charge you about a tenner for a tato sandwich here. But a tato sandwich, an actual tato sandwich, two slices of bread, bit of butter, with a tato and away you go. Imagine finding king in your tato sandwich though. Great story. Love that story. 0818 96 96 96. Good morning to you. 083 396 96 96 is your email or your WhatsApp, rather, or text. And of course, that's for your voice notes, too. And your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. We had great news overnight, super news overnight from a young lady who we had on the show as a guest back in March as she was embarking on a bid for glory. She got the glory. More on that in a wee while. But first of all, some other people were in the UK in a bid for some snooker glory. And they arrived back the other day, but without the most important part of their kit. Dylan Reese is chairman of Snooker and Billards Ireland. There was a team of about 18 people, Dylan, 18 players, three or four of them from Cork. Their cues have gone missed, missing. Good morning to you. 
Good morning, PJ. Great to speak to you. And you, sir. What happened? Well, quite simply, really, we, we, uh, I, I, as you said there, I'm, I'm currently the chairman of uh, SBI. Um, we send annually um, many teams over for the Home Internationals uh, snooker event in Leeds. Um, and of course, uh, the only thing that we have really as, as, as a piece of equipment is our queue and our case. And uh, quite simply, um, we had a successful trip over. Um, one of the teams there um, was was victorious, but of course, when we when we arrived back in in Dublin Airport to the chaos, which is thousands of bags just littering the aisles there, uh, we found that we our our queue bag uh, didn't arrive through. So, so that's caused a little bit of panic amongst our players, especially um, uh, the lads in Cork. There's some some top players down in Cork there, which you all you all might know, Greg Casey. Yes. Uh, and 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 the lads down there. So so we, so yeah. So we're still fighting. But I think that the worst, the worst thing about it all really is 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 the way in which it's been handled uh, in the aftermath. So <laughs> describe for me, uh, Dylan, what we're missing. Now I know that when when players travel, like you said, the queue it's it's more important than anything else to them. So they're specially packed into their own cases, and then the cases go into a transport bag. Correct. That's correct, yeah, and, and it, you know some these queues uh, could be with a player for twenty uh, or more years. So it's uh, there's a personal factor to it, other than it's just a, a general piece of equipment. It, it is know, important as a golfer's putter, correct? Oh, absolutely, and I would say more because yeah. you, players don't tend to change their queues that often. Yes. Very rare, in fact. So you get one that works, you but, stick with yeah. it for years, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so we're all in a bit of a bit, bit of a quandary at the moment. We're not getting hardly any satisfaction from Ryanair at all. Um, so we're, um, and I think it warranted the phone call with yourselves, really, just to see if uh, if we can get a little bit of a push on because we've we've got. I, I personally, I, I was there in Leeds myself, and I I had to play with a with another queue that and um, at an event on the weekend. And I'm sure nearly all the players from around the country are doing the same thing. We're just without our queues. We can't play events or we're borrowing queues. And, of course, uh, performance suffers as a result, you know. So, you had them. They had them for the for the tournament and then put this specialised case on, on the flight home. Now, Leeds to Dublin, it's it's not exactly Dublin to Abu Dhabi. Like, it's it's a short flight. And they didn't. They went on the plane in Dublin, or in, in Leeds rather, and they didn't arrive in Dublin. Correct? Well, we're not sure because we, we've got zero information. So we've been told nothing. I mean, if you the size of the bag, if you can imagine this, it's a ski bag. If you, it's it's actually just over six foot long. Yeah. It's about two. It's about two foot wide and about a foot deep. And in there, there's I think it's around fourteen queues uh, in their all obviously in the individual queue yeah. cases. So. Um, it's not small, it's, it's not light. Just, no, no, no. It, it's just up to 40 kgs. I mean, the, the thing can't go missing. Like, it, it's, uh, you know, it's it's a big, heavy uh, bag that you, you would expect to be easily located. It went through all the correct channels, through the uh, the large um, cargo hold and all that kind of stuff, and it was booked in correctly and, mm. and everything done. So, yeah, so we... But, but we we still wait for any news at all. Well, we have contacted Ryanair this morning looking for a statement. I'm not too sure if they've come back to us just yet. The first thing they should look for 
is your trip reference number that everyone has. So we'll see where we go. If we can find any track of this, lar- like, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like losing a person. It's enormous. It, this is not it is, a little right. tiny carry case that you might have something really. No, this is big. This is a big, big thing. Like it's absolutely, just, absolutely, big right. heavy. Yeah. All right. Listen. Thank you for contact. It was, it was David Joyce got in touch with me last night to know were we interested in the story. And absolutely, I mean, this is precious, precious cargo for all of these eighteen players, three or four of whom are from Cork. Dylan, if we, we've we've taken up the the ball as it were, and we've We've pitched it to Ryanair. See what they come back with. Uh, we'll see what we can Excellent. do. Thank you very much for your help. More, th- more, th- more than welcome. More than welcome. Dylan Reese, chairman of Snooker and Billiards Ireland. Is it any wonder we play so well with a with a Welshman as the chairman? I love I love his accent. I could listen to him talk all day. But I've seen one of these things in transit because I like, I like snooker. Like like, and, and I've seen one of these things. You're not you. you don't, this won't drop down the back of the sofa. Or, or this won't fall off and roll under, roll under a, a, a cupboard like it's, that's not going to happen. This is a big, big, big yoke, and it's gone. So we we reached out to Ryanair to see what they can come up with. They say they're looking into it for us. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Staying with sport for a second, just a second. Do you remember this conversation? This was back in March of this year. It was actually my cousin. She um she was training and um she asked me to go down with her and I went down just one day, didn't know anything about it and I just kept training ever since then. You loved it. Yeah. So I've two European titles and I've a British title now. Wow. And how did you get selected for Canada? Um my coach just he's um Martin Horgan, he's a WBC representative. Um so he um, he was just chatting to us and he chose me to go. Wow, big adventure. Yeah. Quiet spoken, laid back, easy going. That's Aideen Mullins from Bellefahan. She's She's 16 and she just went away and won a bronze medal at the WBC World Youth Muay Thai Championships, which were held in Canada. And that's just a quick clip from a chat we had with her in March, not long after she'd been selected to go, and there was fundraisers to get her there, and there was training, no end of training. So she's walked away, fair play to her, she'd walked away with a bronze medal from the Muay Thai Youth Championships held in Canada. And uh, everyone at Martin Horgan's gym, very proud of her, as are their, our, her family and friends. Her mom, Cynthia, contacted me uh, last night with the good news. 0818 You've currently matched your previous score of 9 out of 10. The question I asked you was, Drax and Gamora are characters in what movie franchise? You said Guardians of the Galaxy, which was a guess. Yeah. You've just won yourself 2,000 euros! <laughs> Oh my god, I don't believe it. Liam! Whoa. Oh my god. I guess. What are you going to do with the money now? Drop it these. Uh, drop it these, and yeah, no, I don't know. Have to spend it. Another winner, there you go. Go, go. With two grand minutes. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. If Ryanair should come back to us with any information or any hope of knowing what happened to those snooker cues, we'll certainly uh, bring it to your attention before the morning is out. Liz says, PJ, 
Ford's Pub at the end of Barrick Street does a tater sandwich. Good for them. Good for them. There's just about enough in a bag of tater these days to put in a sandwich. Do you notice that? Your average bag of tato is about half the size that it was, I'd say, two or three or four years ago. And it's considerably dearer. But I digress. Now, we were following the story with stepping stones uh, over the summer. A little uh, childcare stroke preschool unit that was closing. And the board of directors had resigned and it was just impossible to keep it going and it was one of the victims of this funding crisis within childcare. At least part of it was the problem. Now we understand that a new owner has been found for stepping stones just to bring us up to speed before I talk to one of the mums involved uh, Sinn Féin TD uh, Thomas Gould. Thomas, I'm not too sure how much you, you can tell us just briefly. Has it been rescued? Yes, PJ, it has. And I want to thank yourself in 96FM, in particular the parents of the children, their families and the whole community who fought to save stepping stones. Good news today, contracts will be signed. There'll be an announcement with contact details to come out in the next day or two. And stepping stones preschool will be open back again in September. So a brilliant victory for communities and for people's people power yeah. and I suppose I also want to give a big shout out here and to acknowledge PJ I'm always on here with you and I'll be fighting and campaigning for the north side but I want to thank Cox City Council Cox City Childcare the old directors and the new because without getting everyone to work together for this and it was the parents and Julie and Sarah and other parents who came together and the coverage that you gave them to highlight the, the North Side, how we need it. Well, what, 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 was, what was upsetting at the time, Tom, was the number of youngsters who'd actually been brought by their parents by the hand to see where they'd be going, to meet their new teacher, to look around their new schoolroom or their new classroom, and then to have to tell them it wasn't going to happen. That was worry enough, but then for the parents, where they were going to go. So do we know now at this stage, lastly, Thomas, the people who were promised places for September, will they have them? Well, they need to reapply, you know, when this new company, this new service provider, put up their details. But they need these children because... For this to work, we need the children who are interested in going there in September to go there because it's all about getting kids into India to make it viable. And also, PJ, uh, one of the main reasons people wanted to send their children there was to to the staff. So they'll also have to contact the new providers because the staff are vital to this. And PJ, the one thing I would say is, like, this is a really positive story for Farnley and for the North Side. And over the past two years, uh, since the, the, we got, since I got elected and since we started campaigning, we've saved Moncara and Nursing Home. We've got Soak Up Blackpool reopened. <laughs> we've saved Larry Post Office. And no one's saving. You're, you're, you're writing out the election leaflet as I speak, Deputy Thomas Gould. But thank you very much for that. Oh, listen, trust your local TD to always get the advertising in. But look, no, 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 no. This is a good, positive day for the north side of the city. And and thanks, Thomas. Uh, He has been involved, to be fair to me, he has been involved with this since day one. Now, Julie, uh, the situation is this. There's a new owner, new contracts. So what's happening with the parents and the families, do you know? Good morning. 
Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so like we've all stayed in contact um, since Stepping Stones. We got the letter to say it was closed. And obviously when we heard that it was staying open, we all stayed in contact. But like none of us have heard anything as of yet. So we're just hoping that today when the papers are signed over that both teachers and the staff um, might be contacted or may contact. I know a lot of kids have secured places elsewhere, but like we'd all be happy to send kids back once um, if, if when it's open and if the teachers are there as well. You know what I mean? because that was vital to us that the teachers were the reason we wanted our kids there so like it's great we're delighted and we stood up for the place and look we kept it open and whatever so we're just waiting to hear ourselves I don't have much information myself being honest because I haven't heard anything um, your lead was due to start there yes my daughter yeah well she was there last year as well okay okay so uh, if, if I understand Deputy Gould correctly you now have to go to once the new contract is signed, you have to go to the school directors and, and reapply. And reapply, yeah. Yeah, so like I said, that's the first I've heard of that. We haven't heard anything um, <laughs> since, you know what I mean? We just literally heard that a new provider was put in place and that that was it. So we're just hoping we'll hear or see something posted by today right. that we see where both the kids and the staff stand, you know? Fabulous. All right. Well, the news, the news is good at least. Stepping Stones has been yeah, saved. Yeah. Uh, yeah, owners, definitely. And managers. you know, fair play to Sinn Féin as well. Like they, they were great with us. Um, they were the first kind of people on board with us and they stood with us and they, they fought to keep it open as well. Okay. So fair play to them too, yeah. All right, okay. Listen, Julie, thank you for that. 0818-969696. Great news for all of the parents and the youngsters who were supposed to go to Stepping Stones. But as Thomas Gould was saying, you have to reapply for your place. And any of the staff that don't have a job yet for September. It looks like your job is there, but you'll have to reapply for it. But at least it's a very positive day. Stepping Stones has been saved with a new owner and a contract being signed today. Good news. 0818 96 96 96. There's a a long comment. I'll get to it on cycling. There's an interesting story in, in the Irish Times this morning, which ties in with that, and I'll come to it in a while. Uh, It says, and I'm just putting it out there because I'll refer back to it in a minute, there have been 440 traffic collisions involving e-scooters in the last two and a half years, most of them in the Dublin region. Some 269 e-scooters have been seized by Gardaí in the same period. Now, the call that we're writing up there at the moment concerns mostly cyclists, but I think e-scooters do come in for a mention. We do indeed. They do indeed come in for a mention. Um, I'll come back to it. 0818 96 96 96. But there's a figure. People are always saying, what harm are they doing? According to the Irish Times this morning, and we've had story after story come into us, and I've had my own experience with e-scooters, you just have to keep your weather eye wide open in the morning when you're coming in, because there could be an e-scooter come from anywhere when you're driving. I mean, from anywhere when you're driving in. The wrong way, up the wrong way, left, side. You just have to have a third eye watching for e-scooters. And there's the proof now in the Irish Times this morning. It's been 440 incidents involving e-scooters over the last two and a half years. Last week, you were talking to Sonia about the situation with her dad, Jim, who has vascular dementia and the fact they've lost all of their services to their home in Balancholic. You went to visit the house in Balancholic to meet Jim and meet 
his wife and daughter, lovely, lovely, lovely people. And, and they told me about the, the, the way they have to mind that, the way they lovingly will and continue to mind dad, but how physically back-breaking it is because of dad's, dad's needs. In, in the wake of that, we were contacted by an absolute legend of the home help and trade union movement of Cork. I, I'll get to that in a little while. Uh, that message came in a day or two ago, but I will promise I get to, We were contacted by none other than the great Mary Arrowsmith. If you know anything about home helps and home support in Cork, the name Mary Arrowsmith is up there in gold lettering because of the things she achieved for those workers. She contacted us in the wake of that story. I'll bring it to you shortly. 0818 96 96 96. Rebecca O'Reardon, I talked about the FUS march with you before. There's another one coming up. I think FUS is slowly turning to fury, Rebecca. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's getting a little, it's getting a little ridiculous. It, I mean, do you know, we we have been engaging with the ministers, um, but I'll give you a great example of what we're what we're dealing with at the moment. In we um, we had a meeting with Roderick O'Gorman on the twenty seventh of July. Very grateful to have that meeting. Um, um, and he was telling us how the transfer, because the way that they're doing it is the plan that they're the plan that they're doing here is they're going to transfer over the CDNTs to. Um, to his department and leave primary care where it is. Okay, just just for the li- so, benefit of listeners who don't understand terms like that. So, so the CDNT is what Rebecca, and it's moved to his department. Are moving? Yes, yeah, sorry, it's the children's network disability teams. So, when children are going into the system, um, children with more complex needs will go to the children's network disability team, um, and then children who need perhaps like just speech and language or just occupational therapy, like as a standalone without a whole team, then they will go to primary care, and they'll be able to access therapies that way. Okay. Um, now, foster roles from people who just simply can't get anything for their children. And I spoke to you and I spoke to many others uh, over the last number of months, just stuck, stuck in a rut, can't get anything for their children. Has anything changed? Um, No, it's actually gotten worse. Um, You know, I mean, like we had that meeting on the 27th of July. Um, Roderick O'Gorman confirmed to us that the transfer would be complete by the 1st of August. Now, that was only a couple of days before the 1st of August. And then on the 2nd of August, we opened the newspaper to find um, an interview with Anne Rabbit in which she explains that this transfer has now been blocked for the third time by civil servants. Um, she named them specifically and all. Um, oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. So... One minister says that service is coming to my department and that will solve a few problems. Yeah. Then another, which it would, in fairness, from what I've read about it. Then another minister says, actually, uh, we can't transfer it to his department because civil servants won't let it. Who's running the blasted country, Rebecca, would be my question. Well, this is it. And I mean, Anne Rabbit, I mean, for her to go to a paper and say, I'm going to put, the, um, you know, a per- person, a, you know, person, she named them and everything like if she's getting to the point where she's actually because this is the third time she's tried to make this transfer happen. 
And if she's actually gone to the, if things are so bad that she's actually putting these people on blast in the paper, that she's having to go to the media. And she, and there's, I mean, even her going to the media doesn't work now. Do you know what I mean? It's just, and I mean, we still have had, we've had absolutely no reply from Micheál Martin whatsoever. We, Has some I mean, not even an email. Him from replying at this stage, you know? I mean, not even an email. Like, yeah. it's it's just fascinating. Like that that letter that we handed over outside City Hall yeah. to over thirty families from Cork. You know, detailing the absolute neglect, um, and you know, <laughs> they just there wasn't even there wasn't there was no. There was no acknowledgement of it, yeah, none whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're having another March. I mean, that doesn't Saturday. take time. No. That's... Yeah, absolutely. So um, we're going to have another March this Saturday at 2 p.m. We're hoping for cross-party support um, because this is a cross-party. We need cross-party support on this issue. We'll be going, meeting at Grand Parade at 2 o'clock, going up Patrick Street and down Winthrop Street. Um, you can stay on the Grand Parade. We'll have a little spot. If that's too long of a walk, that's no problem. Um, the We're kind of going this March. The theme of it, I suppose, is the fact that we're coming up to budget time and you know, there was a Transforming Lives report done by uh, back in um, 2019, which um, showed that we would need between 16 and 21 million um, by 2020 for children's therapy services. Mm-hmm. And we, actually, in 2022, the budget is 3.5 million. So that's a fifth of that. Right. Right. Because we keep saying that money isn't an issue and that it's yeah. just that they can't re- re- Well, reading in the newspapers this morning the plans for budget 2023, which will be delivered at the end of September, and we know that they're going to have to do a whole lot of p- for people because of the cost of living, and we understand that, but you think they could find a few quid for disability uh, services because, let's face it, those, it, those families are, are... In fact, I would nearly say, Rebecca, those families are affected even more by the cost of living. That's it, because the more and more you see, it's not that you, it's not just that people are having to go fund therapies. They're also having to go fund equipment because they can't wait two years for a wheelchair. And, you know, with the the way that the eye appointments are up at CUH and the appointments for everything else, then you have to go pay to see a private ophthalmologist and everything else on top. Like for yourself. It it, it turns into everything. For your own story, your own personal case yourself and, 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 and Amy, like how has the summer been? For you guys, it has been extremely, extremely long. I'm not going to lie; uh, it has been a very, very, very long summer. We did get a, a like we, in, you know, we contacted our solicitors. We contacted as I am, and we still like we haven't, we haven't had anything. We haven't seen anybody. We haven't heard from anybody within the system. Um, she basically. Um, like because she had had a kind of a bit of a regression before the summer we had uh we because we had been calling and calling because she had kind of aspirated during seizure in april and it had given her a bit of a fear of of food and drink yeah now thankfully the the fear of the of the food has gone because they gave her um the hospital gave her kind of a medicine to help her to be less kind of anxious around food but like we're still there trying to give her drinks with like you know you you'd be there kind of 
chasing her around with drinks and things like that and she's just she just won't drink it like and it's been going on all summer now and you're just like if a child won't just, drink in the middle of a heat wave we've got a problem that's exactly it yeah and I mean you know it, I, we're kind of we, we've got kind of bits and ways to kind of get around it but like you know there's a lot of side effects to not drinking that are quite unpleasant and it just it just kind of feels like they don't really it just feels like you're kind of on your own when these massive regressions are happening and you're watching these skills kind of slip away and nobody seems to care. Like, you're like, I worked so hard for that. She worked so hard to get that. And you're just going to let it fall away overnight through a lack of support. You know what I mean? That's kind of what it comes down to. We had some absolutely magical times. Uh, She was really amazing. She, She used to really hate the beach. She loves sand, loves water, but together, I don't know what it was. They just weren't working for her. Yeah. Um, and then, but she just kind of, I don't know what it was over the summer. She's just like, actually, the beach is my favorite place now. Oh, so that was amazing. Brilliant. She started at Rainbow Club, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, she hasn't gone inside yet. <laughs> We're still working on that. <laughs> but someday she will. Do you know what? And, then the lovely people know. at Rainbow, they will wait. If it takes until Christmas, exactly. they'll wait. Yeah. They'll wait. Absolutely. And as soon as she gets in there, it's going to be amazing and we're absolutely thrilled for her. She's so lucky um, to have it. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's been, but it, my God, it's a long summer. What a long summer. Yeah, right, <laughs> we're, I'm sure I won't be alone in saying we can't wait for September. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, yeah. Uh, so 20th of, of August, that's this Saturday, 2 o'clock at the Grand Parade, yet another fuss march. And as you can see, um, for people like Rebecca, thanks Rebecca, and best luck to, to you and to Emmy. Just on the personal level, apart from the campaigning level, how difficult it has been. But this nonsense. So the Minister for Children says, that team will be moving to my department and that will make it easier to get services provided and get stuff moving. That team will be moving to my department, says one minister, the Minister for Children. Another minister, the Minister for Disabilities, for just summarise the term, actually no, Shishi, in the paper, actually no, we can't move it because that civil servant there won't let us. Sorry, who is working for who is my question? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six, and not a word back from the Taoiseach. Come on, me Hall. Come on now. At least acknowledge their letter. You guys ready? Watch out! Watch out! Drive home weekdays from four on Corks ninety six FM. Hey, it's Lorraine. When you're heading home every evening, make sure you're with me. Where it's all about the music. There's impromptu sing songs. I'm on that track forever. There's in car karaoke. There is a girl in the car behind me. Gotta sing it out, loving life. And you take control of the playlist. Hey, Lorraine. I'd love to hear the new song from nineteen seventy five. So for all that and more, join me weekdays from four. The big. Drive home on Cork's 96 FM. Somebody actually asked me uh, while I was away um, what was happening with Onakura. Interestingly enough, it's back in, in the news this week because uh, Councillor Liam Quaid, the Green Party, who first raised the story with us uh, last summer, um, has been following up on it yet again because 
Onakura was scheduled to close uh, last October. It didn't. That closure date came and went. Last September, I went down and I met some of the residents down in Onakura and we I just met some just gorgeous people, really gorgeous people and their families to discuss why they wanted to stay there. This is their home. And they so wanted to stay there. The HSE, in any of its communications with ours, with us, the message has been the same. There is no alternative to this, to, 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 to the closure. Many other people say there is, of course, an alternative to the closure. But the HSE say no. So what have the latest developments been? I've been speaking again with Councillor Liam Quaid. Councillor Liam Quaid, it's hard to believe that it is now over a year since this was first brought to our attention here on the opinion line, what was happening to the people in Onakura. Nine of them remain in the place. You and others want it kept open, want it refurbished. The HSE has set its face dead against this. So for these nine misfortunate people, we are at stalemate, aren't we? Yeah, and uh, what we're actually seeing since the Oireachtas went into an eight-week summer recess just there in mid-July is actually a renewed effort to move residents. And of most concern about that, PJ, is that facilities that hadn't really been mentioned very much prior to this um, in St. Stephen's Hospital and St. Finbar's Hospital are now being offered to residents mm. um, along with nursing homes. And the main issues with both St. Stephen's and St. Finbar's or the fact that they're on hospital grounds, so they're not, you know, community um, houses. Mm. The residents are often sharing rooms, whereas all 19 Onakura residents were in single rooms. Um, so it's, it's an incomparable experience to living in the middle of a town, being able to come and go freely, living close to services and shops and community life. And it's basically going from community living to institutional care. Um, I, I've had a long battle obtaining FOI material yeah. with regard to the closure and decision making around it and some of the material I've obtained about meetings from last July so this was just maybe a, a couple of weeks after the closure was announced yeah. showed that St. Stephen's Hospital also known as Sarsfield's Court and an old age facility in North Cork yeah. which is located far outside Mallow named Mount, Mount Alvernia were two of the main facilities being discussed among managers about um, for, for yeah. moving on a core resident. Yeah. We recall that at the time. You went to Twitter in the last number of days and you published screenshots of, of quite a few articles. You might outline for listeners what, what they were. Yeah, so um, the, I suppose the, the main concern was uh, there's one ward in St. Stephen's named Unitree. And, and that has come in for some of the most severe criticism from the Mental Health Commission. Um, and we, we, we've learned recently that that is now also being offered to Onakura residents. Now, it's important to say that Unitree has been under different management to other wards. This is all on the public records, and this is part of the Mental Health Commission's um, issue with Unitree. And um, the, the other wards in St. Stephen's have generally been observed to have provided exemplary care for patients. Mm. There are issues with the premises that we are, we're all familiar with. It's in an, an isolated setting, it's ward-based, it's dorm-style rooms, and anybody is in agreement about that. But the Mental Health Commission have been on the public records um, repeatedly outlining very concerning problems with the staff culture and attitudes towards residents in Unitree um, in a number of reports, all of which are in the public domain. And they described the staff culture in Unitree as reminiscent of um, an institution from several decades ago. Now, it's also a locked ward, 
So imagine coming from the owner Chorus Centre with all its community connections and the nurturance of staff to a locked ward oh my God. setting. That, I did, that I did not know, Liam. Yeah, no, th- that's not to say that they can't leave, but every time you would have to leave that ward, you'd have to get somebody to unlock the door. So it's, it's a very different, um, I suppose, atmosphere to live within. And it's also in a substandard premises. And this is also on the record from the Mental Health Commission. Every single uh, recent report over about four or five years for both uh, St. Catherine's Ward in St. Finbar's and for the St. Stephen's wards have identified more serious problems with the premises than they have with the Onacora Centre. So this is all objective um, information, um, which totally debunks the argument for basically saying to somebody from Onacora, you're going to be better off in St. Finbar's or St. Stephen's. Now, just to go back to the the FOI material, um, Mount Alvernia, uh, uh, the old age facility in in North Cork, that that wasn't used, it appears. But that was being discussed, and it's 60 kilometres from Middleton. Now, at that stage, there was no campaign around the closure. And then in September and December, we had two Oireachtas meetings and scrutiny of moving people to St. Stephen's um, was heightened and the, the, the HSC kind of changed course at that stage and they offered uh, Glenwood and Carrigaline to potentially nine residents but unfortunately it didn't have planning permission so that, that has now kind of gone by the wayside so I suppose what, what the, the recent developments tell us is that the HSC isn't even trying to put a gloss on the transfer of residents anymore um, because there's no accountability for its actions. And it appears it doesn't matter what is revealed about the closure or what the Iraq Health Committee will conclude, because the HSC are, are getting the green light from Minister Mary Butler regardless. And there will be silence from most of our local TDs, with the exception of Pat Buckley. Yeah. And as, as things stand, the HSC will have two Oireachtas grillings in the autumn, but I, I suspect they will just weather uh, these these um, experiences and face no consequences for and any of this. Correct me if I'm wrong, Liam. Um, there's been so much toing and froing, I could well be. The Oireachtas Committee itself wrote to Minister Butler and said, please do not let this happen. They, they actually, yeah, they wrote twice to her. Initially, it was it was um, a, a briefer document, and they they said that the evidence uh, for, for the the closure rationale was unconvincing, and they recommended in, in crystal clear terms that there should be um, a reversal of that closure as a matter of urgency. And then Minister Butler wrote back um, and said basically she was deferring to the HSE on the matter, and they wrote an even more detailed um, follow up. They also wrote to Paul Reid in that, and they have since referred it to the HSC board. Um, so they've escalated it. Escalated Had it the board of directors, Liam, responded to that communication? Well, my understanding is there was a communication back, but it was just before the, the summer break. So there hasn't been an opportunity for the, the committee to consider that. Okay. Okay. Um, but as, as, was thing, as things stand... It's very grave. And uh, there's one thing I'd like to mention. There was a very similar attempt at closure of a service in County Leash in April. Mm-hmm. And it was almost a carbon copy of the same playbook that the building was not fit for purpose. The residents had to move. And there's three TDs in that constituency. And all of them came out in unison very strongly um, against this. And the, the HSC immediately backtracked. The nine people that we understand to be still there... Um, we didn't expect this a year ago, Liam, looking into the second year of this saga. Where do you think it's going to go, honestly? 
uh, like uh, all the indicators are that the HSE will plow on and that they will um, they will they, they, there will be no check on on their um, decision to do so. Um, so I mean, we have absolutely tried everything with this, and I, I think you, you know I, I've, I've uh, identified concerns with moving people to substandard um, accommodation, but also Garnish House is also been offered to people. Now Garnish House is meant to be temporary. And yeah. the HSE only have a lease on that in, in the Western Road until the end of this year. So you, you can imagine if you're somebody who's been in limbo in Onakura for the last uh, 13, 14 months, and now you, the proposition is that you go to Garnish House and you don't know whether you'll be there beyond December. Mm. So it, like all of this, uh, the, the only conclusion I can draw from this is that it's an attempt to accelerate the closure and basically make it a fait accompli um, or close to it before the Oireachtas resumes. And at that point, you'll have such a, a hollowed-out service that you'll have a few residents maybe remaining and they just won't have the morale to to, to, to hold out any longer. Resist. Liam, thank you once again for speaking with us on the Opinion Line on this ongoing story that we have pledged to stay with until the bitter end, whatever that might be. Uh, thank you as always. Thanks very much, PJ. That's Councillor Liam Quaid. Um, he published a life... If you follow Liam on Twitter, he publishes screenshots of all of the articles and all the reports he refers to. It's all in the public domain. And yet the insistence from HSE, up to the very last time we spoke to them about this, is that there is no alternative to shutting Onakura. 0818969696. There's another example, though, isn't there, of a minister who isn't really in charge? Like, with the same there while ago with the moval of the disability team from one minister to another and some civil servant goes, eh-eh, not happening. Here we have it again. We have the Oireachtas Committee writing to a minister, begging a minister to intervene, and she goes, eh-eh, not happening. Who's telling her? Who's pulling her strings? Eh-eh, not happening. Because clearly, and the Queen Bee is always on about this at home. And you know what? The more and more I hear this happening, the more and more I think she's been telling me the right thing for years, that your minister might want to do anything they want, and they can say what they like, and they can go on the, go on the radio, go on the television, go on the newspaper, say what they want into a microphone. But above them, someone's going, eh-eh, not happening, minister. You have to wonder, who's running the bloody country. Zip your lip now, Minister. Lip zip. Who's running the country if that is what's happening? The wonderful Mary Arrowsmith. God, it's a few years since I spoke to Mary, but she got in contact with us after hearing Sonia's story about her dad, Jim, and her mom last week. I'm the one, she said, who formed the Home Helps Union in 1995, and so she is. They're not allowed to do any homework now, any housework, not even lighting a fire. If they got extra hours, they could chat with the clients and that helps them feel more human. But the rush from one client to the next means they barely know who they're talking to or who they're dealing with. And in some cases, people are leaving the service because of it. It's heartbreaking. Another issue that makes them feel very guilty is when a client asks for them to collect medicine. In many cases, they literally can't and the medicine's urgently needed, but the home help can't, can't do it. They may have run out of medicine, the doctor might have phoned in an urgent prescription, but the home help has to say no, and the clients don't understand. Thank you, Mary, for that. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Big, big, big. 
Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Derry O'Callaghan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Corks 96 FM. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Mind with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. There's an interesting one coming on baggage and the price of carrying baggage with Ryanair. I'll read that in a while just kind of following on from our story with the snooker people this morning that their queues, their snooker queues 18 uh, Irish players, their snooker queues in a big huge hold all lost in transit somewhere in here between Leeds and, and Dublin and, and Ryanair unable to find it, the snooker billards Ireland people came, turned to us last night to see could we help we've asked Ryanair to look into it this morning so far we haven't heard a whole lot back from them but we'll see and then speak <clears throat> that that's just a baggage story oh, we have another query in about a baggage story as well I'll get to it in the course of the morning and every time you discuss the fuss march and the fuss movement which as I said fuss is rapidly 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 turning into fury um, among parents and, and people looking for services for their kids. We have another report in on WhatsApp, another very distressing WhatsApp message in which I will get to in the fullness of time. 0818 96 96 96, the number. Text to WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. That's also the number for your voice message if you want to comment on any of the things we're chatting about on the programme today. You don't have time for a phone call. Pop us a little voice note to 0833969696 or if you're anything we we think or you think rather we should be talking about do the same pop it to us by way of voice note start a conversation there'll be a lot of tears and a lot of photographs and a lot of big days in houses over the next couple of weeks as the smallies start big school There'll be much weeping and gnashing of teeth and tears and snots and and and, and that's just the mammies and daddies as they let the little one go off in the door of the big school. And it'll be like a week later, or it'll feel like a week later that they're coming out to get their leaving set result. But it's one of the biggest mornings in the life of your family when one of your children starts big school and there's no instruction book that's the worst bit like there is no instruction book with children anyway which is why I kind of said like what's all this about we're supposed to cope with this on our own Dr Mary O'Kane's been on the program with me before child psychologist preparing them for big school it's a huge day for them and a huge day for the parents isn't it Mary good morning Good morning, PJ. Lovely to chat to you again. I'm laughing listening to you there. You're frightening the life out of everybody. I'm telling the <laughs> truth, Mary. You know it. 
<laughs> oh, funny. And it's funny that you even say big school because I always talk about big school too. And somebody recently said to me, you should never use the word big school. You should say primary school. But all the children that I've worked with, they call it big school themselves. They, like they, they are aware when they're leaving preschool that this is a big life event for them. It's, it's really like a big rite of passage for them. Um, so I always call it big school too, because I figure if that's what they call it, well, that's what we'll, we'll call it as well. And as you say, it is. It's big for the whole family, it's, uh, particularly with the first one. You know, it really, really is. The little uniform and the sack and and everything else. <laughs> it's and the fo- Now, we've, we didn't ever take photographs, but... It's all over the place now on, on, on social media. Everyone's got their photograph up. But it's an emotional morning yeah. on every level. Oh, it is, PJ. It definitely is. And it's funny, as you say, it, it's as much us as it is them. I think even you know, in society, you know, you're you're out with your child and you're just running to the shop or something and you meet somebody and they go, are you starting big school in September? So we've kind of built them up to it all summer. Um, so it is emotional. But you know something, there is so much stuff, PJ, we can do to to support them. So I thought I would go through a few bits with you. First of all, the emotional stuff um, and then maybe some of the practical stuff. How much emotional emotion. I, I often wonder who needs the emotional support more, them or their parents? <laughs> oh, it's definitely a bit of both. Well, you know, it's funny, Peter. Do you know what I find? When your children go to primary school, suddenly we get this focus on academics and we start to nearly panic um, and we start to feel, oh my gosh, should they know all their numbers? Should they know all their letters? What should they be able to do? And we start thinking in academic terms. And we nearly start to panic. Do they know everything they should know? And funny, I did my PhD on the transition from preschool to primary. It's a, a, a one really close to my heart. But what all the teachers and the preschool practitioners were saying to me is, let go of academics. It's not important. Yeah. What is important is their emotional and social development. So stuff like supporting them with their self-esteem, encouraging them to be really independent, you know, their communication skills, that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so what I would say to parents in these last weeks, we do so much for them that they can do for themselves. And note I say we, PJ, mine are older and I'm still guilty of this sometimes. But we do. I think it's out of love. We kind of we try to do an awful lot for them. But over the last few weeks, what I'd say to parents is just in terms of their self-esteem and their independence, step back a little bit. Because good self-esteem is really, well, it's about feeling loved but it's also about feeling strong and capable. Mm. So really think, okay, I'm going to really encourage them to do stuff themselves in terms of their independence, because we want them to be independent learners. Think, okay, doing little jobs around the house. You were talking about buying the school bag, buying the uniform, like encourage them to be involved in all these little rites of passage, because they're also learning that they are strong and they're capable, thinking about lunches, will mm. they be able to help with the prep themselves, and you know, encouraging them to do stuff that, that they're well capable of. Funny, PJ, in education, we talk about um, a theory called scaffolding. Yeah. And what we say to parents is, think of yourself as the scaffolding on a building. You're there for support, but you're not doing anything. When a builder is building a building, he puts up the scaffolding. But once that building is secure, the scaffolding comes Comes down. down. That's it. So we're we're thinking of ourselves that way. So anything they can do themselves, Mm. really encourage them to do it themselves. And it gives them such confidence in their own ability. No, there's a thing, isn't there, Mary, that look, it's only it only feels like last week 
you were changing the nappy on, on this helpless little I thing. And, and now they're going off into school on their own and they've gained this wonderful independence. And it is part of the human condition, isn't it, to think they're growing up too fast. Yeah, <laughs> your baby. I know it's this little hand in yours, and you see them in the uniform. The uniform doesn't tell me that they start to look that little bit more grown up, and it is. It's kind of, do you know what? Isn't that one of the things about parenting, PJ? The, the goal of parenting is to raise your children to be strong and capable and independent. Yes. And yet, your, your heartstrings are kind of saying, "Oh, but stay with me a while too." That's right. You know, it, that's right. It, that's, you're kind of and that's the thing it. on the morning of the school, and it's. it's I think, and maybe oh, maybe yeah. times have changed since mine went to school. In fact, I don't know maybe about it. They have, like back <laughs> in in the, in the time when mine were going to school, it was mammy, and daddy was gone off to work. Generally speaking, now. yeah, and 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 it was mammy's experience. Now, daddy and mammy both book time off work, and it's a big family occasion. And I yes, think granny can be involved. Granny, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the whole family is the. Have we over ceremonialized it a small bit? Oh, nice. That's an interesting one, isn't it? Because you you may have a point because it's funny, you know, some of our children really sort of struggle on that day, that you know, the big day when the big day comes. And you ha- we have to ask ourselves sometimes, is it that we are nearly building it up into something that feels too big for them. And I'm always saying to PJ, you know, I always say they follow our lead. So when our children are feeling anyway nervous, anyway anxious, they follow our lead. And one of the things that we do is we build it up into something big. Then when they're a little bit nervous, what do we do? We go, don't be ridiculous. Don't be so silly. Get in the door, they the grand. <laughs> so we kind of built them up and then we need to drop them down. So instead, we talk about validating their emotions, PJ. Then it sounds very complex. All it really means is allow them to feel that and let them know if they're feeling nervous. Yeah, it's, it's normal to feel a bit nervous starting something new. Yeah, that's absolutely normal. I wonder if there's something we could do to help. Maybe we could try doing our deep breathing or you know, there's, there's lots of little things they can do that can help help them if they're feeling anxious and um, so when they feel that way if they do feel that bit nervous so remember instead of just building it and building it up you know normalize that it's it's absolutely fine to be at nervous bit nervous funny pj if, if there's any parents listening and they're sitting thinking i know my little one is going to struggle separating from for, from me there's a few little tips i can mm. give you that work so well and the first one is you draw a love heart on your wrist, on your pulse point, okay, in, on your arm. And you draw a love heart, like in red, maybe with black around it, on theirs as well. And you say to them, if you need to connect with me, you just put your fingers on your little heart and you'll feel your heartbeat. And they'll feel their pulse when they put their little fingers on the wrist. And you say to them, and I will do the same if I'm missing you. And if you're missing me at all, you just put your little fingers there. You can even put a spray of perfume or aftershave or whatever. And it can really help. Or you can, another trick is what we call pebble in my pocket. And you give the child a little pebble and you take a little pebble and you say to them, if you feel nervous or if you're missing me, you squeeze your pebble. And it's just a really concrete reminder that, you know, I am there. Young children are very concrete. You know, if you say, oh, just think of me, it's very hard of them to think of the abstract. If they have a little pebble to squeeze, that's really real. You know, it's it's sort of concrete proof that you are nearly there with Mm. them. Or some parents like to put in a little photo of something that if they're feeling a bit iffy in the first week or so, you know, and they're little things, but they can really, really help them. 
You see, I'm here thinking Mary's the psychologist and she's brilliant at this. And I'm, But I'm also kind of thinking, I would say for an awful lot of smallies that will go in that front door next week, Mammy and Daddy will be this memory by about ten past nine. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. You know, so many of them, PJ, will run in the door. Funny, do you know what I've noticed? Since COVID, I've had more parents contacting me saying, actually, my children are struggling. Even after the Christmas break, they struggle going back. And yeah. um, where prior to COVID, there would have been less of it. And I think the lockdowns may have knocked some of our little ones a little bit more. But you are right. For an awful lot of them, they are raring to go. They'll rush in that door and I mean, you will be a memory and they will love it. When you think about it, really, it's it's such a step up for them and they've been waiting for it for so long. Mm. They've all had two years of preschool at this point, you know, with the etchy scheme, like the free yeah, two yeah, years yeah, of the, yeah. the, you know, few hours each day. And what has that done for them? Through play, they've learned to be independent. They've learned to have good self-esteem. They've learned communication skills. They've learned all these skills that are really setting them up. So for most of them, they absolutely have that grounding and they'll go in. In fact, for most of them, it might be the mommy or the daddy who'll be coming out of the driveway, drying their eyes and whatever, rather than the little one. I was just about to go there. You may want to dab the eye. Do you let them see them? Do you let them see you do it? Oh, try not to. You know what I always say? If we want them to find their inner brave, what do we have to do? We have to find our inner brave. So it's best to hide. It's best always to speak about the start of school in a positive way. Even if you are feeling that little bit nervous yourself, it's better not to show that, but to speak about it in a positive way. And, you know, little things can help. The practical stuff on the day and coming up to the day, you know, if you think you're, the day is calmer for them, if our morning routine is calmer. So if we get up early enough, if we prepare in advance, like the night before, you get the school bag ready. You even pick, if they've no uniform, they might pick the clothes they're wearing. If you, you either get the lunches ready or you talk to them about planning. What are we going to bring for lunch tomorrow? So if you do all this stuff in advance the night before, yeah. not only are they calmer, you're calmer. See, if you're calm, they just feed off it. You know what I mean? So get out the door in plenty of time. Get up there early. You know what I mean? And be try and be relaxed. You want to send out the message to them. I have absolute confidence in you and I have confidence you're going to be happy here. That's okay. what you want them. That's what you want them to know. All right. Mary, it's a, it's a big adventure in many, many houses and it's, it'll be all over in a couple of weeks. But treasure that moment. Oh, PJ, yeah. It will. I'll tell you, I'm posting up stuff over the next two weeks on social media. If anyone wants to look up Dr. Mary O'Kane, I'm sure. on Facebook and Instagram or whatever, and I'm going to post up stuff every second night or so. Book recommendations and some more of these little tips for separation anxiety and whatever. So if you say to parents, if they're worried at all, have a look on there. But Excellent. most of all, enjoy it. All right. Dr. Mary O'Kane, all one word, small letters, will find you on Instagram. Mary, thank you as always for being with us on the Opinion Line. Can I offer a small bit of advice of my own? And it's this. If you're feeling that little bit bereft when the child has gone into school, because you will, and I'm looking straight through the glass here as someone who's going to feel just a little bit bereft when the child has gone into school for the first time. Don't you do? Walk down to the nearest pub or restaurant or whatever that's doing a breakfast and wander down at half nine in the morning and get a big dirty fry and a coffee and the paper 
and eat your fry and drink your coffee and read your paper in peace. And then realise, I have got time to myself for the first time in years. That'll dry your eyes. Simon Murdoch and the best music mix. Weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM. Taking a look at the new TV shows and movies that are good to stream this week. Plus, I've got all the big names bringing you your favourite tunes right across the afternoon from 12, only here, Cork's 96FM. I read uh, over the last few weeks about a, a pill called Merkel. M-Y-R-K-L. I'm assuming pronounced Miracle. Because what it does seems virtually miraculous. If you're going to be having a few scoops or a few glasses of wine at night or whatever, particularly on a school night, and you want to feel all right in the morning, you don't want to be knowing in the morning that you had a few drinks, you take this thing, which I believe is available over the counter, called Miracle, and it contains two bacteria gut-friendly bacteria, which have big names that I'm not even going to try and pronounce. And they break down alcohol in your stomach and they turn it into water and carbon dioxide. And as a result of this, your chances of having a hangover the following morning are greatly reduced. Now, miracle, you can see why they call it that. But, psychologists are saying, is this really the right thing to be doing because alcohol or sorry a hangover is our body and mind's way of reminding us hey sunshine you overdid it last night cop onto yourself that is what a hangover is it's nature's way of saying cop onto yourself so if you're taking a tablet before you have a few drinks you, you will lose the cop-on factor the following morning. Psychologists like Catherine Hallisey. Catherine, you have doubts about taking this, particularly p- parents and mummies and things on school night, to taking this thing. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to have to patent that term, the cop-on factor, because it's just so perfect. <laughs> you know, the hangover and the fear, look, it's the consequences that you pay for the drinking. It's this biological negative reinforcer. Yeah. And um, I've been talking with a lot of psychologists about this. Uh, first of all, look, the research into the miracle pill is pretty sketchy, as in, it, you know, the conclusions that are being drawn are definitely too much. They just had 24 participants in the study yeah. and they only gave them a very small amount of drink. I believe it was around um, one and a half drinks. Ah, well, for goodness uh, sake, if you're getting a hangover after one and a half drinks, you should just give up drinking anyway. Yeah, so what they're looking at is, um, you know, it slows the absorption of the alcohol, which is better, but maybe we could just drink more slowly. That would also slow the absorption. Or drink less. And, or drink less or alternate drinks. You know, it's, I suppose the big concern is that if there's no payback, no physical payback, and in the but you end up having a physical payback much further down the line. Yeah. What you're looking at then is the age old issue of immediate versus delayed gratification. Yeah. 
And we know that there's big differences between us, big individual differences between us with how easy it is for us to delay gratification. You know, the classic example is we've got some people who are saving for pensions. The vast majority of people are not unless it's automatically happening through their work. Mm-hmm. And that's the immediate versus the delayed gratification. It's the same thing with, you know, indulging in the Christmas season versus having to pay back. And then you have everybody panicking in April and May that it's coming into summer and they're not fitting into their clothes. That's the immediate versus the delayed gratification. So now if we are removing this punishment, we're, if we're removing the immediate punishment, um, then you know, and it's much more delayed punishment. I suppose there'd be huge concerns, really, because like we know it's a toxin. Yeah, it's a legal, it's a legal toxin, and that you know we talk about it in moderation, and it's part of our culture. It's here in in this society. It's it's here to stay, most likely, and um, th- I'd be very concerned about an increase in problem drinking, yeah, an increase yeah. in binging. Because, like I said, I mean, look. look I've done it myself. I've gone out of a night or we've been had friends over home. And you know the following morning your body is saying, All right, sunshine, you overdid it last night. I am your punishment. If that yeah. doesn't happen, you could forget the, the that you have to watch yourself a bit. Yeah, and it, it's that there it doesn't feel like there's a need to watch yourself and like we know that there are huge um huge consequences socially in families within our health system with binge drinking mm-hmm. you know it, it isn't without cost and i suppose the vast majority of us we don't see ourselves as problem drinkers but quite possibly because the hangover and the fear you know the anxiety yes. is what keeps us in check i love that kind of, you know I love that term anxiety i want to talk a little bit about about mums catching on the basis of something a friend of mine who, who works in retail told me when minimum pricing came in at the start mm-hmm. of the year and look people have their views on minimum pricing i personally disagree with it but that is what it is. They said, in actual fact, the one group of people that minimum pricing would not affect was middle class mothers who will continue to buy their wine. And they did some research. There is there's a problem and there's an amount of problem drinking going on among mothers of young children. Now, as a child psychologist, that kind of stuff lands on your desk from time to time. There is a problem, isn't there? Well, this is something that um, myself and my psychology colleagues have been talking about ever since this hangover pill came up. We've actually been talking about this from a feminist perspective as well, about this marketing towards women, you know, mummy wine time. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This idea that you you deserve it, you've worked hard all day, so now it's time to relax. But instead of your relaxing being something restorative that actually soothes your body and mind, it's this um, marketing that this is the way to do it when it's something that actually makes life much harder. Mm. You know, instead of us addressing why are women so exhausted? Why are women so worn out? Why is it that the only option that's available to them is to is to drink rather than, you know, why is a society are we tolerating this? And then you walk into any supermarket and, you know, the pink gins, the bubbly, the bottomless brunches, it's all targeting women. And like the bottomless brunch, it's targeting excessive drinking. Mm. for women and it's pairing it with fun and relaxation and look you know I, I love a little bit of bubbly myself mm-hmm. but it's this I think it's so insidious Do, do you feel targeting. it is pushed? I mean i probably unusual among men in, in that I will drink and I love a drop of Prosecco and I love a drop of rosé wine and I'll drink it whether it's pink or not if I know if I like it I'm probably unusual among men but do you think that a lot of those drinks are heavily marketed towards women Oh very much so you know and hugely on social media the mummy wine culture is really there as well you know it's like oh kids are finally in bed and you know you're you're opening the bottle of wine this this narrative that's pushed and I'm not against that yeah. it's just that it feels so imbalanced you know, it's so many women just don't have the support network to enable them to go out for a walk, to go and meet friends, to have some time alone, to go to a class. You know, all of the things that we know are actually restorative. Yeah. And now, if mommy wine is all you have, you have a problem. Yeah, and it, it just feels so imbalanced. And then, you know, if you have the bit of the anxiety, then the next day, of course, it's a cycle then. You're, you're waiting until eight or nine o'clock until the kids are down and you can finally relax again. And it's, I think, what's so attractive about the mummy wine time is that it's the rapid relaxation. Yeah. Because women are so stressed, we're looking for that relaxation quickly. And look, I'm in that target market. I've got five young kids. You know, I can I can really identify with the need to relax rapidly because you're trying to relax quickly enough so that then you can go to bed early enough, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just this cycle that's going around and around. And it, I think that we really need to be examining what is wrong in our society that this is the way so many women are feeling and look I know loads of men are feeling this too yeah but I'm just specifically talking about this targeting of women's relaxation being paired with alcohol yeah I did speak to someone it's a while back now Catherine who had ended up in in rehab but but she told me and she was great she was very well again delighted for her but she said 
after her first child came along, her husband was working extremely long hours, away a lot. Mm. And she said it started with a glass of Pina, Pina Grigio when the little one was gone down. Then it became two. Mm. Then it became a bottle. Then it became a second bottle. Mm. Her night. Yeah. And I don't, think she's, I don't think she's alone. No, she's not. And, you know, you've got you've got that's the extreme end of the spectrum. But you also have the people who are feeling they need to have a half a bottle of wine a night. And it feels different mm. because it's wine. You know, we have this idea that it's not a problem if yeah. it's wine. Well, of course, the definition of alcoholism or dependency rather than alcoholism itself, the, uh, the, the definition of dependency is it doesn't matter, Catherine, and any expert will tell you this, including... My, yeah. our, our dear friend Michael Geard will tell us it doesn't matter if you need a crate of wine or one glass. The key word is need. If you need it, you have yeah. a problem. You have a problem. And you know, there's lots of reasons people drink alcohol and they kind of fall into two broad categories. One is the social effect, you know, doing it to have fun with friends, yeah. you know, have a little bit of the lowering of inhibitions, that yeah. relaxation, but it's about that kind of togetherness which is this idea... Oh, sorry, I'm coughing. Hold on. The you, other you, one, your phone has dropped off is, a little there, Catherine. Can you come back to me? Yeah, it's just... Uh, is it back now? So, yeah, someone's trying to get on to her. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They, they are, yeah, someone's probably like, I can hear you on the radio. Yeah, yeah. That happens, all, that happens a lot. Other, the other reason people call... Or sorry, that people drink is actually to escape from the problematic feelings. So this avoidance, so you get this self-soothing that's coming through alcohol. And this is where I see the big problems with this targeting of women um, and alcohol is that it's this avoidance of the actual issue. And as a society, I feel we are avoiding the actual issue here for women, which is this feeling of needing this rapid descent into oblivion every single night to cope with daily life. And coming back to where we started, Catherine, with this miracle pill, throw that mm. into a mix and you could be asking for trouble. Yeah, and actually um, I came across some very interesting research that 30% of young people are deciding not to drink. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that astonishing? You know, so so maybe the tide is turning and I do feel like pe people give millennials a hard rap, but I feel that they're actually much more focused on living the good life. Yeah. You know, they're not they're not focused on getting on the property ladder and the good job and all that. It's more about uh, togetherness, experiences. So I think this is the really positive side that's coming up with the next generation that rather than seeking oblivion, they're actually all doing things like going kayaking and rock climbing and hill walking. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's just a different way of being. And they're, and they're all so much fitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Catherine, like it, it, it's yeah. so great. Always, always a pleasure to chat with you, Catherine Hallisey, a child psychologist. We're talking about the psychology of alcohol with us today. And look, take these pills if it's what you want to do. They're available over the counter. But her concern is that if people start taking them, that you know those who already have uh, a bit of heavy drinking on their life, that it might be counterproductive. Thanks, Catherine. 0818 The hangover is needed to maybe deter some people from doing the same thing night after night, which is exactly what I said at the start. The hangover is, your, is cop on. That's cop on, mate. Do you know? On holidays, 
There's one particular beer. It's one particular Spanish beer. I won't name it. I love this stuff. But I made a conscious decision on holidays. I'm never going to drink it again. Because it's not kind to me the following day. Um, but it is your warning that uh, you overdid it last night, sunshine, and you need to behave. That's from that landmark notice board. Let's throw it out to you. Would you take one of these hangover pills? It's a couple of Would you take it before you go out for a night out with friends? Or would you take it on a school night when you're going to have a glass of wine you shouldn't be having? Would you actually take one of these tablets yourself? Or two of them or whatever? Would you take them? Or would you not? 0818 96 96 96. Jim says, some time ago you did a piece on a shortage of Tanora. Did? And on the taste of Tanora when they changed the flavour and absolutely created an abomination. And then they changed it back. Well, bad news, it's happening again. You'd wonder if brand managers of large soft drinks companies are trying to force it off the shelves. Couldn't say, Jim. Couldn't say, but I haven't actually, now that I think of it, I haven't noticed much Tanora on the shelves of late. Yeah, maybe your man from Line of Duty bought it all. (laughs) I have a friend who's lived in Ashburn, County Meath. He's a Cork man, Ken O'Sullivan. He's lived in Ashburn for years and years and years. I mean, 30 years, probably more. And every time he comes to Cork, he puts two large Tanora into the boot of the car for free. He won't be able to get them up the country. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Leaside. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Following the trio's first instant sellout show, which received rave reviews, On the Road Again, An Evening with Fiat No Rain On, Tom Dunn and Alan Connor comes to Cypress Avenue on the 24th of September. Tickets are on sale now from cypressavenue.ie. Access all areas. Over 40 years, Aslan have had new Numerous chart successes, toured the world, broken up, made up, and given us some classic songs such as This Is and Crazy World. Celebrating their 40th anniversary, their tour comes to Sea Church at Bally Cotton on Thursday, 18th of August, with limited tickets left. Access All Areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play, or exhibition coming up, or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96 FM. Morris says this country is living for the drink and the situation is out of control. Our bottle banks are full to the brim with bottles and cans, proving the extent of the problem. 89% of all cases that come to the probation service's attention are alcohol and drug related. The country can't seem to do anything without alcohol being involved. It's a view. I kind of half agree, and kind of half of me doesn't. See what you think. Thanks, Morris. 0818 96 96 96. Now, we were talking about the smallies going to school earlier on in the hour with uh, Dr. Mary O'Kane. And um, this comes up all the time. About homework for primary school children. And there are mixed views on it. There are those who believe that homework is preparation for, if you like, the drudgery of ordinary working life. I mean, there's not a day here that we, 
Fiona, myself and Fergal, don't take something home to do. It, it's just it's necessary. It's humdrum. It's boring. You're reading stuff at 8 o'clock at night and you're thinking, God, this is turgid old nonsense. But you're doing it. You have to do it. Um, do you learn that skill in school? Or, or are there plenty of different ways you could spend your time when you come home? Is it time to do away with homework in primary school? It's about to raise its head again. Uh, Jen Hogan uh, parenting journalist and, of course, uh, blogger with Mamatude. Jen, you are, I think, you do believe it's about the t- about time that we did away with homework for, for primary oh, school. It, it's so far past the time that it was done away with, PJ. It's so far past it. And just listening to you there, I hope that wasn't an attempt to justify homework or to even suggest that what we do, and because I'm a bit like yourself, I'm doing work later in the evenings, well beyond what I should be doing. But these are really bad work-life practices. And that's, that's exactly the sort of habits that we're teaching our children when we, we get them to do homework. We should have a definite cut-off time and we shouldn't have work encroaching on our home life but we do because we have these terrible practices and that's what homework reinforces. But maybe it's also, Jen, a realisation that that utopia doesn't and never will exist. But it, it can. I mean, the people power, it can exist. It absolutely can exist. I mean, there's a, the nature of our work, working in media, is very different. It has very different demands. And so taking work home or having to work at unexpected hours, that goes with the territory. You kind of know that going into mm. it. The, the news doesn't stop. Um, stories don't stop. So there isn't anything we can do about that. But for lots of people, coming home, clocking off work should be about clocking off work and going into their own time. But we're talking about children here. We're talking mm. about children who are expected to sit at their desks all day um, and remember it's a completely abnormal situation for them but they have to learn to do it and they do learn to do it and then we're saying to them now you know what you should do after a day's work you should come home and do even more work the research has shown that homework is a little to no benefit so there's not even any academic benefit not that the school is just about academics but there's not even the academic benefit and if anything it's counterproductive it turns mm. children off school turns them off education doesn't so we're really just doing it for doesn't it reinforce memory Jen doesn't no. it reinforce memory tricks you know not, not that not that research suggests. No research suggests it has very limited benefits there. And this sort of thing can be done through repetition in school, perhaps if you're going... But it also, that, that's kind of going back to rote learning again, and that's something that we're supposed to be trying to move away from. The whole idea of consolidation. Well, look, if you've grasped the concept in school and you go home and you're doing it again, you're literally going through the motions. If you haven't grasped the concept in school, going home and doing it when you're tired after a long day of asking a child to focus and expecting them to try and grasp it then, well, that's just flogging a dead horse plus parental interference yes parents ha- should have a role in their children's education I'm not denying that but we do need to look at we do have difficulties around literacy and numeracy in, in Ireland I think it's one in six adults have difficulty with literacy and one in four adults have difficulty sure. with numeracy but even putting them to the side even putting them to the side children learn very differently now you know if you look at tens and units the way that they oh learn God, yeah. there's none of this borrowing and carrying thing no. that we would have had before which is why so many um, and I hate to ter- use the term millennials and, and Gen Zs, they, they can't add two and two in their head. Well, I suppose there's a bit of a moving towards dependencies on calculations, yes. and I suppose that's the practicalities. Yeah, kids can't they don't people don't seven, have- Jen, it's insane. <laughs> But yeah, but, well, look, look at look at the rates at higher maths and stuff and leaving. So they're still doing pretty true, well true, all the same. Right, so they're still managing. But you think, and you think there's no point in giving small children no homework? 
there is no point in giving primary school children homework. Not when we look at what look at the there is no there being little to no academic benefits, and particularly when we look at where children are after the pandemic. You know, they're playing catch up still. We're seeing yeah. the consequences of Paul's childhood. We have an obesity crisis. We need actually our children to be learning life skills, socially interacting with others, yeah. uh, um, and getting out and catching up with their gross motor skills and playing, just having fun. These sort of things sure. are vital, and particularly as we go into the winter with the shorter evenings, the opportunities are less add into the fact that we are totally different households now and you're likely if there's two parents at home there's likely that both of them will be working and it's just an additional stress so it's there's very there's very little actually to be said for it but it's tradition and it's largely parents who are pushing this because parents often view homework as the measure of the teacher and the measure of the school a lot of teachers and principals don't even agree with it yeah there's one thing that stands out though if we if we were to eliminate it in primary school let let's just say mm. for a second that I completely agree with it here you then go into first year in sec in secondary mm-hmm. school, where it is an absolute yeah. reality. You've got yeah. secondary school is a whole different ball game, and third level, if you're going to go there eventually, is another ball game entirely. Are these not skills that you need to be learning when you're nine and not when well, you're thirteen and giving it to you for the first time? Okay, well, third year, you're an adult, so it's different. We all learn lots of different skills and we're an adult, or sorry, third year, third level, I mean, you're an adult. As for as for secondary school, they're a totally different set of skills. Actually, the, the skills that children have for homework in primary school are completely different to the sort of skills that they need to acquire for secondary school anyway. So they have to the learn discipline. time management and they... Discipline, but they also have to learn the management of the, the, when they get homework on a Monday that might not be due till Thursday and they might get other homework that's due for the following Tuesday. They have to learn all that sort of thing. They're also learning a lot of them foreign languages for the first time. Just because you haven't learned a skill for the first time in primary school does not mean that you shouldn't do it then. Plus, we may as well say to you, you may as well make children's lives miserable now because adulthood is pretty tough. Sure, it, it, It's the kind of same sense of rationale. There is no... No benefit Jen, to it. The skills can be learned you, at secondary you, you, you school. You've just hit on something there, and, and I have such respect for mm. your work and your writing. I love chatting with you. You've just hit on something there. The real world is a hard place where people will say no to you all the time, and you will have mm-hmm. to do stuff you don't like, and you will have to do things that interrupt your time. Yeah. Why not learn so this that is why fact need- when you're little? But this is why we need to build these kind of re- resilience and healthy work, rest and play balance skills sure. when they're young so that they, in their downtime, when they're older and when work is tough and when the, the real world is tough, that they know, actually, I'm going to switch off from this. I need to do something that's good for my mind, my yeah, body, yeah, me. Yeah. So they're really important skills to actually instill in very young children sure. for dealing with the real world later. Sure. Homework doesn't do that. Homework accepts or teaches them that life should be a drudgery and this is as good as it gets. <laughs> Here's a message that's come in, PJ. No way should we do away with homework. It's great to see how the kid is doing academically. What next? Mm-hmm. I'm not reading that book with his night, son. It's my time. Homework in primary school lasts 40 minutes at most. If you can't sit down for that long, good luck with you. Okay, well, some to parents, of course, that's a very... I suppose that's looking at one particular child. Some parents will tell you homework lasts longer than that, but it's still 40 minutes anyway. But the whole... I mean... To, to look back at that, it's nice to know how they're getting on school. I would completely agree with that. And it is really important that parents are involved in their education. But if teachers weren't caught up having to correct endless homework, some of which is parents' work, because at a certain stage, parents get involved and they've corrected their child's work mm-hmm. in the way that they've learned or they've influenced it a certain way. But you, 
if we didn't have that kind of situation where teachers were caught up having to correct that work, they could, they could have time perhaps to send home their copies at the end of the week or we could have a look at them over the weekend, yeah. see how they're getting on. We'd pick up very quickly where the difficulties are, perhaps a note coming home going, listen, Johnny's finding this aspect of maths a bit out. And if you have the skills, and again, it's if parents are equipped with the skills to actually help them with this, it's something that the parents can perhaps work at at home or ha- yeah. chat to the teacher about how things can be improved. We don't need homework to tell us how our children are getting on. There are totally different ways and lots of other ways that we can do it and the time that could be saved would facilitate this okay jen i'll leave it there with you i'm 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 not quite with you on it i think i'm halfway there i think I'm we'll get ha- there i'm halfway there uh, I, you know because i remember doing homework myself but we'll yes. see what people think thanks a lot jen jen hogan mark yours on the opinion line what do you want to say good morning hi pj good children and homework hi. yes or no no, no way, PJ. PJ, my, my opinion is, is basically, like, if the child comes home from school in the daytime and he comes home loaded down with homework, half the time the child doesn't know how to do the homework when he comes home from school and the parents is a bit long gone from school to understand what to teach the child. So what I find is happening in the homes is the parents are arguing with the kids, the kids are getting the homework done and they're going into school afraid to go into school because they haven't got the homework done from the night before. Because it's down to the teacher to teach them what they're doing. The kids should come in from school and be able to show off to their parents in the evening. Look, Mammy, look, Daddy, look what I've learned in school mm. today. And be able to repeat oh, what they learned that did, did day. Did you get homework in school, Mark? I did, and I'd be honest with you, PJ, I never done it once. You never did it? No, I never did it, and I completed my leaving sort, PJ. Right. And what was said to so, you when you went in the following day with no homework done? I was ashamed of my life going in the following day, PJ, because I was right down the back of the class because the teacher said what happened. I couldn't tell him that I was arguing with my parents at home because they didn't understand what was needed to do the homework. You know? I see. And and, and I think think it's just just putting extra burden on families at home in the evenings. They haven't got time to teach their kids the social skills that are required to go outside school, live along the street, you know, to use manners and be respectful to people. We haven't got time to teach that at home if we have to teach the education system as well at home, Mm -hmm. as well as send them to school full time. Mark, thank you for your call. 0818 96 96 96. It's an old debate. It's a debate that I've moved on. I'm not entirely up for the total elimination of homework. I could see why you should never give a child homework at the weekend. No child should get homework on a Friday. And Monday being... So I would only give homework if I was a teacher. I would give homework Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But I wouldn't give it on a Monday and I wouldn't give it on a Friday. That's as far as I'd go. It's one I'm happy to follow up with you though. Question 10. What word T is a drum spun in a raffle? Tumbler. There are two possible answers. You said tumbler. One of the answers is tombola. The other one, unfortunately, for the accounts department is tumbler. You get one, two, three. Brian, I'm delighted for you. You got two grand. Well done, fella. Perfect. Well Thank done. you, guys. Stacking up the cash. Cash! Cash! The two grand minute. Listen to play at 7.40 and 8.40 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Cork's 96 FM.
The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. All right, that's it. It's a seasonal one. Comes up every... August stroke September when kids are going back to school or preparing to go to school for the very first time. And we're talking only now about primary school, not secondary school. So primary school. And we haven't done one of these in a while. We're putting a a poll up. We'll do a poll on WhatsApp. We'll do a poll on text. And we'll do a poll on Twitter. That's already up on Opinion Line, at Opinion Line 96. But what about homework? Is homework really necessary? Should primary children, primary school children have homework? Jen Hogan says absolutely not. The time for giving homework in primary school is gone. I'm halfway there. I can see why we don't need it five nights a week and we certainly don't need it at the weekend, but I still can't quite get there on the we don't need it at all. Mark was on before 11 o'clock. His view is no. Do away with it. Don't need it. Enough to have done. Here's a message that's come in uh, during the news uh, and it says, Hi PJ, this is the saddest debate to date. Homework is necessary for families to support their children and maybe know where, where they might need help. People who don't want to do anything anymore. It's so sad. I always worked with my kids on the homework and you know what? Once you show an interest and in how important it is, they appreciate its interest and it's important and it makes the world of difference. PJ, no way should we do away with homework. It's great to see how the kid is doing academically. That's another one that has come in. So your view, please, by text or WhatsApp or throw me a voice message if you feel so inclined to do so at 083 396 It's also up on our Twitter. Is it time to do away with homework in primary school? In primary school. Okay. So if you approve of homework, if you want to keep homework, homework, yes. Yes to keep homework. No to do away with homework. Yes to keep homework. No to do away with it. Homework, yes, if you think we should have some homework in primary school. Homework, no, if you think not. Okay? We have a similar poll on Twitter. And we'll collate... There's a big word. I learned that in my homework. We'll collate the three of them at about 5 to 12 and we give it the result by way of percentage. So, if you think homework is necessary and it should be introduced in primary school, then homework, yes. Homework, no, if you don't, to 083. 396, 96, 96 by text to WhatsApp. And if you want to get into the discussion, certainly. Give me a call. 0818 96 96 96. Now, I don't know about you, but I love me Rev. I live with me Rev. On holidays, and the first time we ever did it, I paid for practically everything on me Rev. And I'm even paying for stuff with my phone now. Um, I like my Revolut. But Revolut is a massive international operation, which means that problems will arise with a massive international Operation. Anne Marie, you put something up on your Instagram about a problem with Revolut. What's been happening? Good morning. 
Good morning. Um, well, basically speaking, I took a while kind of to trace back to where it kind of led from. But I got a message saying that I'd been mm-hmm. a close contact of COVID. Now, I've been helping. Um, my mum's actually come out of hospital for four months having COVID um, and she's still on oxygen. So I've been caring for her. So I, I literally panicked, clicked into the message. Um, and then it was it brought me to something else. I'm like, oh, this is a scam. Got off it. Um, two days later, my revolution was there was 160 euro was taken out. But also the problem was they tried to take money from somebody else's TSB account and put it onto my revolution. Um, now, it, I'm getting nowhere basically with Revolut because it's all online. So it's messages, messages, messages. I have different people come and asking for the same things. My Revolut's locked down. Like, I'm, I, like at the end of the day, 160 euro, you know, it's not the worst thing that could have happened because I did start looking into it and I saw people losing 20 grand and all this kind of thing. Talk me through, Anne-Marie, talk me through. You got this message saying that you had yes. been a close contact. Yes. So talk me through exactly what happened. Talk me through exactly what happened. Yeah, literally I just come home from my mum and I was sitting in bed. It was about eight o'clock at night. This message went through and oh my God. And I got just a big panic. I was like, who have I been around that I could possibly have given given my mum COVID? And um, when I I clicked into it, then it said, led me to the thing about filling in um, stuff to get... Um, to get, you know, the the um, COVID test, blah, blah, blah. And then it just, I clicked out of it. And when I clicked back in, it was gone. So that's how they kind of got into my phone. Um, through the, and I, when I read the message afterwards, I went, oh my God, it was only an 086 number. Do you know, it wasn't, I shouldn't have clicked into it, but it was a panic station. Sure. So that's where I went wrong. Uh, when the when I clicked in when I went onto my Revolut the next day I saw that I somebody had tried to take they taken the hundred and sixty but they'd also tried to take money from somebody else's TSB account that wasn't that, mine. That's now, the bit I don't failed. understand. That's the bit yeah. I don't understand. Yes, so they had literally they tried to remove a hundred euro from somebody else's TSB account, and it's only because I got the email saying that my 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 application to withdraw money was was failed. I don't have a TSB account. So I knew it wasn't me. Do you know what yes, I mean? Of I, I, I had, so when I looked onto the app, I just literally straight away, I contacted Revolut. That was fine. They, they asked me questions. It was all online. They shut down the account, but it's still not, my account isn't running. It's still not kind of fixed because I can't get anybody on the phone. That's that's the issue I have. I, I, mm. I can't get a human. Ha, have they and acknowledged that you, were, that you were caught? Yes, well, yeah, they always reported the guards, which I have done, and the guards says there's not much they can do about it. Um, and they're giving the you other, back your money? The other, no, but the other thing is I had already set up um, 100 euros to come from my Bank of Ireland account. Now, I did contact Bank of Ireland, and they were they were really good, and they sent, they took the money back. Literally, this, they paused the transaction, and it didn't yeah. go into my Revolution account. Yeah, yeah. so I would say... So that, no more money is going to be taken off me, but it's just the frustration of not being able to get. I feel like I'm going around in rings because yeah. different people keep talking to me in text messages and they keep asking for the same things. I'm like, oh, please, somebody just. I said, I can I just have my Revolution back at this stage? So Revolut have acknowledged that this was fake. Yes. Correct? Yes. Uh, but they yes. haven't given you back your 160 quid? No. 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 Okay. And have they said you can get it back? No, they didn't. They haven't told me that. They they, they haven't told me anything, you know, reassuring at all. Okay. Actually, they just keep asking the same questions. As in, what kind of questions? What do number they ask? was? What number was the COVID number from? And you know all this kind of stuff. And how many? Um, how many? Um, 
devices do I have Revolution and I, I have it on two my old phone I said which is gone and this my current phone yes I see I see I see and they've, they've, they haven't given you any opportunity to, to get your money back so far talk to no or talk to a human I think that's the part that's driving me yeah, crazy because no. yeah. you know when I have four kids in the house and I'm trying to um, send all these messages and then I have to put the phone down because something else is occurring somewhere else and then I come back and it's a new person talking to me it's a different yes. person every yeah, time yeah 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 it's a, <laughs> and it's a huge international automated online service and and yes. that's the problem and you there's 160 quid belonging to you that shouldn't have been paid out and was and you'd like a way to get it back and you'd like to talk to a human being for help to get it back. Yeah, no, it was, the, when I looked up the IBAN code that I went to, it was it was, it was a Japanese IBAN code. Right. Um, and it was, it was yeah, it was a foreign name, but it wasn't a Japanese name though. It was, you know, it was a different, it was a European, but not an Irish name. I see. And I was... <clears throat> I think so you know the IBAN, you know, you know the IBAN to which the 165 yes. went. Well, yes. Yes. Uh, correct. I, I might be wrong here. I might be wrong, but under, you've heard of a thing called SEPA, haven't you? SEPA, SEPA is about yes. the international um, transfer of money. You might have a way to appeal that using the IBAN number. Yes, and that's what I've asked for. That's why, straight away, I, I requested an appeal, but there's there's been no movement on it. Yeah, I know. And it was like when I said it was a scam. They asked me, did I think it was a scam? And I said yes. And that's when everything shut down. The communication actually shut down with Revolut once they said it was a scam. Before, okay. before this, they were like, oh yeah, we can apply to get withdrawals. And then they go, can you contact the person yourself? And I went, I don't know who this person is, so I can't contact them myself. <laughs> it's, very, it's very, very frustrating. At least you can't lose any more. Um, but yes, you can't get your 160 the, the only... quid back. Uh, at least it was 160, not 1600. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. That's that, that's. Do you know what you do, Henry? Keep, keep us posted because I know you said you're desperately frustrated yes. and you like to talk to a human being. I'm not too sure if that ever happens with with with, with Revolut, but it'd be interesting to know if you get your your money back because you are entitled. To it and Revolut have acknowledged that that there was something amiss with this, so they should just give you back your money. You can also chase it using IBANs and things like that. It's worrying though. It's worrying. Uh, that could have been an awful lot more money. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. I remember a couple of years ago, I got a phone call, not Revolut now, but I got a phone call from my own bank um, asking me had I been to Amsterdam. And I said, no, I had some while ago now. I haven't been to Amsterdam. Okay, because your card was used and I had used it that morning in Douglas to buy some stuff in the shop. Your card was used at nine o'clock this morning in Douglas and your card was used at quarter past 11 in Amsterdam to buy 1,400 quids worth of DIY equipment. And I go, say, what? Yeah, 14. Well, I, I, how was I going to get from Douglas to Amsterdam? Until, so they acknowledged, well, that's not my card being used. They shut it down. It had obviously cleaned out my, my, my account. It was like the day after we got paid. <sighs> No, I got it back. I got every penny of it back. But it took a few days. 0818 96 96 96. Um, keep those votes coming. Uh, homework, yes, if you think homework is necessary. Homework, no, if you think it's not. Homework, yes. Homework, no to 083. 396 96 96. Fiona, there's lots of scams out there. 
Now, only for your kids being of a certain age, you might well have been caught by this one. Yes, um, I got a message yesterday on WhatsApp from an 089 number and it said, Mom, I've dropped my phone in the toilet. This is my new number. You can delete the old one. Now, obviously, my children are eight and five, so they don't have a phone, so they can't send me a WhatsApp message, which is how I discovered that it was a scam. But um, it's a... You know, I suppose for people who have children who are maybe like, you know, teenagers or grown up, you would easily fall for it. Um, It seemed like a really genuine message. There was even a a kiss emoji at the end of it. Um, And I was chatting to Fergal about it afterwards. And now I blocked the number straight away and I did ring from the landline here. And it was an overseas tone, an international tone that I got. Um, I didn't wait for it to be answered just in case. Um, But Fergal was saying that apparently if you do accept the new number, you'll get a message from that number then at a later time saying something along the lines of my car has been broken into or I've been robbed um, and they'll be looking for money and obviously if you think that this is your child you're going to send the money Um, and you were saying yourself this morning PJ hundreds of these messages go out all the time and all it takes is one person to reply do you know so it's um, it is a scam that's doing the rounds at the minute so people need to be vigilant of that it's very 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 sophisticated I Mm. heard a call this happened to a woman in the UK I heard a call in the UK about it very sophisticated and she said it was almost as if it was my son writing yeah. these messages yeah yeah indeed so it is one to be what to be wary of alright thank you for that Fee watch out for those 0818 96 96 96 uh, homework yes homework no if you think that homework is a necessary part of primary school then homework yes and if you think, as Jen Hogan was saying before 11, and Mark, who called the show, was saying, if you think it's not, homework, no, to 083 396 Hear only the freshest hits of 2022. Or train harder while we pump out the bangers. The Hit Mix and the Fit Mix are streaming live right now. On the Quartz 96 FM app. Download it today. Download it today. Listen on your smart speaker or go to 96fm.ie. Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, we'll pull all the various elements of that poll together before we finish at 12 and we'll give you the response of our listeners to the idea that we would do away with homework in primary school or indeed not do away with it as the case may be. So we're asking you, Homework, yes. If you believe it's necessary, even a little, it's homework, yes. And if you don't, homework, no. 283 396 96 96. A few more things coming in on scams. And as someone who was at A&E last night for eight hours, I'll get to as many of these as I can. There was also something on uh, cyclists and clamping down on errant cyclists and motor scooter users. I'll try and get to that as well. If not, we'll push that one in tomorrow because we are quite busy. 0818 96 96 96. We've had some, some news on those missing snooker cues as well. I'll bring you that before we finish at 12. But Orla Lynch and Aoife Lynch both join me. Sisters. Good morning, ladies. Hi, good morning. How are Hi. you? Hi, guys. Tell me about your company. First of all, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it correctly. Fairkale. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so tell me what the name comes from first, and then we'll talk about what you actually do. Yeah, so Fairkale is a place that means a lot to us as a family. 
Um, we spend a lot of time there, um, extended family, and we just really connected there. So it just means a lot to us. Yeah. Where Where is it? It's down in West Cork. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah, a, yeah. It's an entirely new one on me. So, <laughs> if a Fercale is a brand of clothing, clothing made from hemp, explain. Correct. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I suppose we wanted to create something that was long lasting. And I suppose we're two busy mums, and we were kind of, I suppose, getting a little bit tired of maybe our, our basics not lasting. And we looked into different fabrics. And we wanted to create something that would last and would be nice to the planet and nice for us and our skin. And hemp just kept kind of coming up as a really great fabric and crop um, sustainable wise. So, yeah, it, um, it just was something really interesting to us and it suited what we wanted to create in terms of our products. Mm. And from there, really, um, we've been designing our own product range now at the kitchen table for the last yeah. year. I, I know I, I notice Orla that a lot of the products you have and you have them for both men and women, but the products that you have, they're the kind of basic. For example, um on, on holidays this year I took half a dozen very cheap T shirts um for hanging around on the beach and that kind of carry on. Now four of them went in the bin because they were completely destroyed by the time I got them home. The idea is that we would stop doing that by buying your products. No, exactly. And um, I think that's where the hemp cotton really comes in. Um, like it's it's already long lasting. I mean, we know hemp has always been used for durability is kind of what it's famous for. Um, but actually, when you do turn it to cotton, it's soft, but it also has that long lasting qualities. Um, and then, like you say, for holidays, I mean, hemp, it has so many benefits, um, like it's hypoallergenic, it's biodegradable, it actually has natural UV protection, which is, I mean, perfect really? for our... <laughs> it does, yeah. I know, it was uh, like, it definitely felt like a no-brainer, I think, when we really went into the information about hemp. Um, yeah. We just felt like it really is that kind of staple clothing and like that definitely for family life and everyday life, Um it's perfect for us, really. Yeah. And the, it lasts. That's the important thing. You can wash it and launder it. It lasts. Exactly. No, that's yeah. it. Yeah. 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 And it just, I suppose, it's a great long-term investment, we feel, and an alternative to the fast fashion, to your point, like, you know, you'd be throwing away your clothes after your holidays. And, um, you know, the idea here is that you hold on to it and reuse it. Um, and that's what we wanted to create, really. Yeah, because we let's face it, we do. We throw out, we throw out way too much. I mean, okay, we, you can you can turn old t-shirts and shorts and in into into dusters, and then and they last only so long. But the idea is you can keep wearing these. So you've got an online shop, and you, I think, believe you're very busy in the online shop. You know, yeah, we just launched um, only a few days ago. Yeah. <laughs> Hard to believe. And we, yeah, love, you know, orders coming in already and great feedback from people. And uh, yeah, it just seems to be something that people are, I suppose, oh, aware of now yeah. and are conscious, obviously, of our planet and, you know, yeah. wanting to our planet and mm -hmm. want that alternative to the fast fashion 
for a day today. Where are you getting the hemp from? Because it's a plant that has to be grown and then the cotton has to be made. So where do you get it from? Yeah, so like the majority of it right now is coming from North America for our products, but it's being grown now in Ireland as well. And um, we are, by early next year now, we should have it in our own products, which is really exciting. And uh, in a year and a half to two years, we will have 100% Irish product from seed to stitch. Really? And and how how do you process it then? Obviously, it has to be harvested from the ground and made. Yeah, exactly. It's a great product. Uh, It's a great crop, sorry. um, It's got a really short kind of growth cycle. Um, In terms of a crop itself, even besides the fabric, it's a fantastic crop. It replenishes the soil, consumes more carbon than trees. There's loads of amazing stats about it. And it's like naturally pesticide free because it's quite a dense root system. It's a weed. <laughs> so, you know, that's what it does. But um, it's, I think, yeah. yeah, I think it suits, I think, Irish um, yeah. climate, Irish mm-hmm. climate and again, Irish farmers. And it does work within their rotational system. Mm-hmm. So it's something that they're introducing down in the west of Ireland um, in particular for this project mm. um, to Mm-hmm. and it does seem to be going really well and the feedback has been really positive down there which is yeah um, right. so the farming is kind of getting there now so as you say it is really more the infrastructure around the manufacturing mm-hmm. um that is now being tested which is why really yeah. we're looking well, we're looking, um, looking at your website this morning which like you say you only launched a, a, a little while back a number of your products are already sold out which that's that's a good start Fairkale.ie, F-I-R-K-A-I-L.ie, Aoife and Orla Lynch. Good luck with it and good luck with the future of hemp fashion, sustainable fashion. Nice stuff, actually, they've got. Very nice stuff. Um, I I have no... They tell me it's a place in West Cork that means a lot to them. Does anybody... Where is that? Where is it, though? I've never heard of it. 0818 96 96 96. Now, our first caller this morning on the opinion line was Dylan Reese, who is the chair of the of Snooker and Billards Ireland, and was talking to me about some very important equipment, namely a bag of eighteen snooker cues that have gone missing between here and. Leads. Just remind people again, Dylan, these were after the home internationals. They were in a large bag, about the size of a small coffin, and, and they went missing. That's correct, yes. We, we'd, um, we'd, we'd had a successful weekend there in Leeds at the home internationals. Um, uh, the three teams that travelled, we were all travelling back to, to Dublin. And of course, uh, all our queues didn't come with us. So we've been trying desperately to communicate with Ryanair and, and everyone to try and find these cues, which are massively important to all the players. Mm-hmm. Um, without success, and you've been a great help to us. Well, well let me tell you, this morning, uh, we managed to get in contact with Ryanair, and they asked us for the booking reference for your group, and they just issued us a statement in the last half an hour that says the handling agents at Leeds Bradford Airport have located the bags which will be delivered to them directly in the coming days. We apologise for any inconvenience caused due to the baggage delay. We found them. Fantastic. That's fantastic news. All the players are going to be delighted with that. It's massively important to us as players. So 
And uh, I'm pretty sure that we wouldn't have had this response without you guys, I can assure you. So we're delighted, absolutely well, delighted. Well, thrill, thrilled for you, because the importance of a cue to a snooker player, it, 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 you, can't, you can't overstate it. Dylan, I'm delighted for all the lads and delighted for yourself that we were able to help in some small way. Dylan Rees, chairman of Snooker and Billards Ireland. The missing cues, 18 of them have been located by the handlers at Leeds Bradford Airport and will be returned to their owners on emergency departments. And look, yet another one that comes in from time to time. Um, I was out in a last night. My God, eight hours. It's not until you need a in an actual emergency that you realise what eight hours of waiting feels like, PJ. I couldn't have handled it if it wasn't for the staff from the doctors to the nurses to literally the guy who sweeps the floor and the security guards. They all had a great manner about them. If it wasn't for that, I'd have gone off my game. How do they stick it? Well, that's a very nice thing to say. Eight hours is not acceptable. Not at all. But you say that all the staff out there were so nice and so helpful, even if you did have to stay there for eight hours. Thanks for that. 0818 96 96 96. Then we had this one. I think the time, I mentioned this earlier on, I forgot to get back to it. Uh, thousand apologies. I think the time for early action is now on cyclists. I appreciate that so far there are not many pedestrians who have been seriously injured by cyclists, but anyone with a pair of eyes can see the amount of cycling on footpaths is increasing rapidly. If you get hit by a car and they're uninsured, you can still claim. There needs to be an uninsured cyclist injury fund set up now. If the government is happy that the level of injuries will remain low, then they should be happy to fund it. If, on the other hand, as most people feel we're on course for increasing injuries, then it might incentivize them to apply the law, which they're well capable of doing, as they did virtually overnight with drink driving, or introducing an insurance scheme maybe for cyclists. And let's not forget these electric scooters, because I believe shortly Free Now are going to be launching a service to hire them. Who pays if someone gets hit by one of them? Free Now? I doubt it. Yeah, I did see that. I was. Free Now are going to have, like the Coke bikes, as we call them. I know they're not Coke bikes anymore, but forgive me. The bikes that you can pick up, you're now going to be very soon have electric scooters that you'll take and borrow. And we understand that Free Now, the taxi company, is behind it. There was a piece in the Irish Times, which I think I read out for you earlier on, uh, 400 and something incidents now over the last number of years involving electric scooters, most of it in, Dub- in, in the Dublin area. But that, that person raising a point, is it time now that cyclists, and particularly those using electric scooters, should have to have some form of insurance in case... They are involved in an accident. 0818 96 96 96. Your thoughts are welcome. Keeping the poll going for about another 10 minutes. We'll close it at 10 to 12 so we can do our numbers. Do you think that homework should be continued in primary school? There are those who believe it's important and those who believe it should be done away with entirely. If you think homework's important, then homework, yes. If you think not, homework, no. To 083-396-9696. We have the same poll up on Twitter if you want to vote there. We'll do all our numbers uh, in the last section of the programme. Anthony Galvin Healy, uh, magician, writer, 
author, journalist, entertainer, soon to be polar explorer. Explain yourself, yes. my man. <laughs> we know about well, the magic. Uh, we know about the entertainment. <laughs> we know you used to broadcast with our friends up in Clare FM long ago. But what about the Polar Explorer? Good morning. Good morning, Peter. The Polar Explorer, what can I say? I suppose every child dreams of being an explorer at some point. And uh, I fell in love with snow in 1982 during the big uh, freeze that year. I got trapped up in uh, a cousin's house up in Dublin, the Dublin mountains. He was a bachelor. He had no food. We survived for a week on flour, nothing else. We (laughs) baked the flour into the most horrible scones and we survived the week. But my mother wouldn't let me out in the snow because I'd destroy my good shoes. No, it's a bit. It's a bit colder, and the snow is a bit deeper uh, near around around the poles. So yes, mm. well, technically, actually, the snow isn't deeper around the poles because it's a it's a desert. It doesn't rain there. It's too cold. Uh, but but uh, the ice will be nice and thick, and it will be an awful lot colder. It'll be very very cold. Uh, the early stages of the journey will be minus forty four on average dropping down to minus 60 during the night. Uh, the later stages of the journey will be about minus 20 and occasionally rising above zero. Oh, positively bammy. Warming. Positively yeah. bammy. Oh, yes, bikini weather. <laughs> Although I don't think anyone wants to see me in a bikini. So, start with the magic tricks. They started, yeah. and that was that, that was your kind of sustenance for a while, then the broadcasting, then you, crime, you wrote about crime for a while. But all the, t- all the time you harboured this love of, of getting into the cold. I did. And luckily enough, um, I got the opportunity through being a magician to spend 22 winters in Lapland at one of the famous Santa resorts. Oh, really? Yes, that was fantastic. Every Christmas. And also it has the, the positive side effects that you can avoid people at home that you want to avoid. You know the way at Christmas you, you have to meet everybody. Not if you're a thousand miles away in the frozen Arctic. <laughs> yeah, you have a kind of a you have a kind of a Christmassy voice, if you don't mind my saying so. <laughs> as well. You know, you could you could put on you could put on the red suit. So how's the well, I did who, once and Roy Keane sat on my knee, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. I'll get to that. But how, who are you traveling with? You're surely not going alone. I'm, no, I'm not going alone. I'm traveling with a very experienced polar explorer, Jim McNeil. He's from London, but he's uh, he hails from Killarney. He's, oh. His father was a Killarney man. I'm sure and our mutual friend Pat uh, Pat Falvey would know him very, very he well. He knows him very well. The two of them are good friends. But whenever Ranul Fiennes goes on one of his big trips to one of the poles, Jim is the guy he gets to coordinate it. Jim is recognised worldwide as a polar expert uh, when David Attenborough was preparing, uh, was life in the freezer. <laughs> Jim yes. was his consultant. Really? So Jim has gone north and south a number of times and his idea is to reach the north. It's the northern pole of inaccessibility and in layman's terms, it's the most isolated spot in the polar sea. It's the dead centre furthest away from land. So it's 300 miles further on than the actual North Pole and nobody's ever reached it before and Jim is obsessed with being the first there So the North Pole isn't necessarily the, the end of the line no, it's the top of the world, but it's not the most, it's not the centre of the polar sea. You can go on another 300 miles further on, and you're more isolated and further away from land. Crikey. And <laughs> Yes. 
So uh, you're going beyond the North Pole? We're going 300 miles beyond the North Pole. Well, and, maybe 290. And how are you going to travel? Uh, how we're going to travel is we're going to be the old, the old Scott of the Antarctic Way, man-hauling our sleds. We're going to leave from northern Canada uh, and we're going to go roughly eight to 900 miles across the frozen polar sea. We're going to be in harnesses, pulling our sleds behind us. Now, the one innovation we have uh, sometimes, and it's become increasingly common because of global warming, near the end of the journey, you're coming into the, the polar summer and you can encounter meltwater. And if you encounter meltwater, years ago, you had to just trek for miles to see that it refreeze. What we do now is we will be able to get onto our sleds and they will convert instantly into kayaks. They're made of special materials. Uh, they're oh. very resistant uh, to being battered around oh. and they will convert to kayaks. He calls them kayaks. You, you won't uh, need to build a James Caird like for this, no? No, we will not. We will not. Although that would have its own charms. But <laughs> <laughs> no, we won't. Good Lord. So when are you off? We're off to the ice in January for three weeks of training in Svalbard, which is an island roughly 500 miles north of Norway. And then in late February, we go to northern Canada. We, we're based in Resolute Island, but we set off from 350 miles further north than that. Uh, a disused weather station in the very high Arctic. And in late February or early March, depending on weather conditions, we set off. And the idea is it's a relay. Jim is bringing a team with him who are very experienced, and he's bringing a support team. And that's people like myself that will all do three weeks on the ice in a relay. So he's hoping the whole trip will take roughly 12 weeks, and we'll all do roughly 200 miles in the harnesses. And... Well, I don't know if phones or anything will work in that part of the world, but Anthony, I'd love to talk to you again because it sounds like such an exciting trek. It's the it's the trip of a lifetime. I'd like to trivialise it and say it's the holiday of a lifetime, but it's I far from that. It won't be a holiday. It's far from that. Anthony, let's book it in. Let's talk yes, while you're on that trip. we have a satellite trip. phone. I would love to chat to you. We'll do that. Anthony Galvin Healy, uh, Mr. Mystery, the magician, heading off on the trip of a lifetime. I can't even bear the thought of it. But he's off in early 2023 and we will talk to him because it sounds fascinating. 0818 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96 FM. I just watched a video during that last uh, commercial break and I'd love to have been there. So imagine a church wedding, all right? And in the middle of the wedding, literally an entire traditional music band marches into the church and starts playing the mother and father of all sessions on the altar. It's fabulous and it's gone completely viral. Abby Neelineshake. You're in that video. I'm I'm the the woman of the hour. I'm you're, the bride. You're the, the bride in that video. Better <laughs> yes. again. How did all this happen? Good morning. 
I'm here with my new husband, Stephen. <laughs> Hello, I'm a bit hoarse this morning. We oh. got married on Saturday, and we're just we're just home from from our wedding. Oh, we the great a great weekend time. of singing and music. And <laughs> this this happened. It looks like the cathedral in Cove, was it? it is, yes, I'm from Cove, uh, so it was the cathedral in Cove, and then we had our wedding day one and two in Springford Hall. And we just came home last night. We're off to our honeymoon tomorrow now, or today, great, today in Donegal. <laughs> Brilliant. So tell me about this. You're 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 both involved in, in the trad music. We are both musicians. Yeah, we're teachers, both of us. But we play uh, music as well. And our, a lot of our friends and family are musicians. And we actually, to, to be fair, now we we completely stole the idea from our good friends Geraldine and David. We're credited to David Crow and Geraldine O'Mara. We were at Geraldine Crow now. Yeah, <laughs> we were at their wedding there a couple of weeks ago, and they had something very similar. And we were playing up on their altar. And uh, we kind of said afterwards, we said, Jeannie, that would be brilliant. Like, it's a pity we didn't organize something like that. And literally about two days before the wedding, we kind of threw out, we realised we had so many people that would be at the church that could play. Okay. Uh, will we chance to that, will we? So we just made a WhatsApp group and we said, if you have an instrument, come on, we're going to do these two tunes. And then we said, we did a quick little video in the rehearsal um, the day before the wedding of my dad walking up the aisle, sent it on to the WhatsApp group and then we just said, whatever happens, happens. And luckily they all came through for us on the day. Oh, listen, it's fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Because I was trying to count, I lost count. How many were up there? Hold on, I'll check the WhatsApp group there. Uh, to- <laughs> 18 close, or 19 close to 20 anyway <laughs> but the funny thing is the couple that we copied it from our trad musicians as well and they told us that they copied it from another trad wedding so, so it seems to be it seems to have started a trend there's guitars yeah. and flutes <laughs> and fiddles everything yeah. <laughs> everything yeah so yeah. we had our two sisters were playing and we had um, my dad was the first one up the altar with his box and uh, all load of great friends and family all playing with Lots us. Lots of great friends over the years. We really want to say how much we appreciate it from all of them. They're a big, big bunch <laughs> of legends. Yeah, no, uh, the, and the quality. I'm just watching it. I mean, I I love trad ever since I was in school, and and we used to go to the Grailchuck, the Jumflas, and I and I love a good trad band. I'd love to have heard you that entire ensemble play a show. <laughs> well, you could have come to Springford Hall at three a.m. and you would have heard it already. Really, that hour of the morning. And yesterday as well, we had a great session. Wow. Yeah, no, because they're really authentic. Like, I, I'm kind of wondering, I watched the video because they sent it to me during the, during the break. And I was like, what's this? And then, first of all, there's one or two. Then there's three or four. And there's a whole... And, and we only started filming after. There was already a few gone, like... <laughs> yeah, who, who, who took that video? That was it, Morris... Morris Deneen. Morris is a great friend of ours from Club Joe. He actually runs a great music school in Ballyfehan and, and he would have he, he actually introduced us to a good few of the musicians in the video. Right, so yeah. he's a great man. He does a lot for music in Cork. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> Listen, it's fantastic. So off to Donegal for the holidays. That's yeah. it, yeah. And uh, the honeymoon. Yeah, you're bringing musical instruments with you? Oh, we are, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and the on home. <laughs> Another wedding. <laughs> uh, you're not, No. We are. Our, we good, are. our good friend is getting married in Mead, so we're stopping off on our way back to play our wedding. Right. <laughs> and will that will that be another big session, I suppose, at the altar? Will? She's a great Irish dancer. So. There'll be a lot of dancing at that wedding. <laughs> all right. Listen, it's brilliant. We're all completely taken by it. Fiona was mad about it. For, even even Fergal thinks it was really, really cool. And Fergal isn't, wouldn't be a traditionalist, but Fergal loves it. And I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And that, it's great to have it on video and captured for all time. So, Abby, yeah. and I'm uh, sorry, I missed. I know it's all about you, Abby, but why is it, what's, what's himself's name? 
Stephen O'Dea. Stephen O'Dea. Listen, well, to, well done to you both. And the video is wonderful. Um, have we shared it? If, if not, we will. Uh, they got married in COVID. Yeah, we say we've shared it on Twitter. We want to come to the end of this discussion on homework. And I think we have someone who is kind of invested in it. Hi, Sophia. Hi. What age are you? I'm 11. You're 11. What are your thoughts on homework? I think homework should be optional because there's some kids that want homework and some kids that don't want homework. And do you get homework at the moment? Yes, I do. And do you like it? No. How long does it take you? Um, like an hour, I'd say. Yeah. What kind of things would you get? Um, I would get English, math, spellings, and stuff to get ready for, like, the test at the end of the week. Yeah. And do you, because I always think if, if, um, if I was a teacher, I wouldn't give any homework on a Friday or on a Monday. Would that help? Yeah, we don't get homework on Fridays, but Good. we do get one homework on, like, the rest of the days of the week. Because I, would, I wouldn't like to give it to, t- to kids on Monday because they've had a hard enough day coming back to school after the weekend. So you, you think it should be optional. What about your brother, Calvin? What does he think? He thinks we should still have homework. Oh, really? See? Yeah. That's good. And do you argue about it, guys? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, good. All right, it's healthy. Sophia, thank you so much for your contribution. If that's the first time you're ever on radio, which I think it is, make sure it's not the last because you make your point and make it really, really, really well. 0818 96 96 96. I'm not sure we did the numbers. Let's try and do them quickly before we're out of here. The Cork Diary. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to corkdiary at 96fm.ie. The Cork Diary. With Tusla Fostering. Now seeking foster carers for short and long-term emergency and respite fostering in Cork. See fostering.ie. On Cork's 96fm. On Twitter... The yes won the poll. And on text and WhatsApp, the no's won the poll. So when we toss all the numbers up into the air and they all come down again and we put them into a calculator or just do them on the back of a piece of paper, we get that the no's have it. The no's have it by 55 to 45. Now, that's rough percentages. But across the two platforms that we did it on, the no's have it. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.